And we're back. You are listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland. I'm Rob Alderman. With me as always, the Hollywood Slinky. I am right here. With him as always, AMC Mike. I feel like I'm in like a tunnel. You kind of are in one. I don't know. It felt pretty good. People like tunnels. That's true. People like tunnels lots. They do. Speaking of tunnels, Rob picks a topic. Ready? Go. Why is the Hobbit movie releasing an R-rated extended version? What? <laughs> what? I, I must have you didn't blocked think I was ready. <laughs> you know the the amazing <laughs> super duper new extended five army rated R version. What are like they dropping f bombs while they're? I don't know. What? It adds. What does it add? Like uh, ten minutes. But it must be the most brutal. But style. even when you even when you add ten minutes to it, it does bring the final running time to fifty two hours. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes. Anyway, this is my topic. Sometimes uh, things are just demanded, <laughs> and sometimes Peter Jackson just does stuff. And I think that this rightfully falls under the ladder. Has this turned into a slinky rant? For me, this no, it's not. It's not a rant. I just think that um, I, I think there is no secret to the fact that the prequels, these three Hobbit movies, um, were not that well received. At right? least not they as were, well received as as the originals. As the, yeah, they were. Sure. They certainly were not as popular as the originals. And so the idea of releasing the last of the three, the least seen of the three, uh, as as an extended, you know, this now it's it's like Hobbit now with more cussing and minutes. It's a weird thing. More oh, minutes. Are they going to show Hobbit boobs? Okay, I guess uh, Hobbit. Your wife sounded so Hobbit, excited about that possibility. Are Hobbit, that be I'm just going to throw that out there. Are Hobbit boobs hairy? What is going on right now? What is happening to you two? <laughs> Come on, Rob. Now you want to know. You know, I'm not going to go there. Here's Dude, Hobbit that's boobs. Big... Oh, do they braid them? I don't, I don't even know what to do <laughs> right now. I, here's the only thing I do know. What I do know... What do you know? Is uh, I do know that it must be a really brutal extra ten minutes to change the entire... <laughs> To change the entire rating from PG thirteen to rated R. Hobbit boob braids are pretty uh, aggressive. Yeah, I guess they must be. You know, they must be. I don't. I know. wonder if they're French braided or if it's just you know. A here's the straight thing. up braid. If or... they came out with like a new Star Wars movie, any of them, even the ones that you didn't like on Blu-ray, and it had any new footage at all, you'd go buy it. Right. Right. You mm-hmm. would. I mean, right? Yeah. That's, that's the truth. There are people out there who can't get enough of the Lord of the Rings. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Since sixth grade, right? Sixth grade was the first time that I read the entire Lord of the Rings uh, books. Since sixth grade, I have found the time, with only maybe two years exception, to read through the entire three books once a year. Okay? And I just haul through them. I love them. Love them, love them. I don't love it that much <laughs> to where I need an extra 10 minutes to give it an R rating. Right? Like, it, it feels like excess for excess sake to me 
But there are going to be people out there. They're going to need it. And and will it be enough to justify an entire new Blu-ray? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I do know. I can tell you this. There is some internet theory that that Warner Brothers went to the MPAA and kind of was like, you know, we wouldn't really mind if this ended up being rated R. You know, um, I don't know that that's true. I, the MPAA is certainly... Um, swayable. Swayable. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. I mean, they're not rating our podcast, so it doesn't really matter. No. So, but I don't know. I can tell you also that the box that the MPAA, where they assign the little, uh, yeah. you know, what it's for, right? It's for quote some violence about a movie about five armies, right? So I mean, where like what... I mean, you've seen the commercials, right? Like the commercials is nothing but carnage, right? <laughs> I know. I do want to share Screen Crush. It must uh, be a bit more real. It must be more real. ScreenCrush.com's headline for, for the articles about this are is great. It reads, The Hobbit Extended Edition, rated R for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I need for some reason. I need to hear our sweet... <laughs> I, you know, you know what I want to know. Why don't we ever get like, our, what? What are you? What is so funny? You know, I just feel so sad. I just want to know why we never get like extended rated R editions of Muppet movies. I'm just or like extended rated R versions of, you know. Why didn't we get an extended rated R version of Paul Blart Mall Cop 2? Do you really want to it's see that? It's what we needed. It's what we wanted. It could have changed everything. And to be fair, they did do... It wasn't The Muppets, but there was a movie called Meet the Feebles that was rated R and was really disgusting. And directed do by you... who? Peter Jackson. Yeah. That kind of starts to put it all into perspective. We'll be do... right back. Uh -huh. And we're back. We are back. You listening to Lights Camera Cleveland? I'm the Hollywood Slinky. <coughs> to my right is AMC Mike. Hi. To my left <coughs> is Rob Alderman. Yo, Slinky hit me with a box office number. What's up? What's up? Oh, oh guys, I'm sorry, guys. I'm like dying. Don't you have like 12 AMC gallons Mike. of Pepsi? Have some water. Don't you normally you have like three two liters of Pepsi over there? I I do, but Pepsi's not. I'm it doesn't even work on you anymore, does it? No, Pepsi like you taste it, but there's no sugar high or sugar no, low. No, there's no, no caffeine thing keeping you awake. I actually think I've replaced all of the blood in my body with Pepsi. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, uh, 
I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for can some we talk numbers. About, can we talk about something not in the top five first? <sighs> yes. If we must. So, this week, the Zac Efron Passion Project. Oh, yeah. I'm for talking about this. We Are Your Friends opened at the box office. Right. It, uh, it is, has been stated that it is now officially pretty much the worst uh, major studio, large box office opening of all time. Um, this is a film. Aww. This is a film that had a smaller opening weekend than Pluto Nash. You gotta love the way AMC Mike felt bad for Efron just now. Well, I feel bad for his abs. Oh, gotcha. I, you know what? I, I don't feel bad for his abs. They have enough going for them. That's true. They like. I bet if his abs had. It had been his abs passion project. If his if it had been We Are Your Abs, oh god, people would have seen that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie, this movie failed. This movie opened on twenty three hundred screens. Yeah, and averaged ticket sales per screen seven hundred and fifty eight dollars. <laughs> Which oh. at these at the prices of today, that's like five people, right? Uh, yeah. It it grossed one point eight million dollars. It did so bad, and that's dude. rounding up. So mm. bad, Efron. You did not do it. it. It's like number twelve or eleven on the right. on the box office this week. And you know the the sad part about it is that, um, you know, everything. I think there's a lesson here, um, about about what people are going to see movies right now and who the studios yeah. still think are seeing movies right no, now. No, absolutely. I saw that article that you you had posted and I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, this this film was clearly targeted at a difficult to grab demographic that Hollywood for some reason believes is the major ticket buyer. Right. Um and that's that like young millennial kind of age. Right. Um, and the people who are going to actual raves that this movie is based on. But the fact of the matter is that if you're one of those kids, you're just going to go to an actual rave. You're not going to go to a Are there movie. raves anymore? Either? Yeah. There's still raves? You were never cool. I went to a rave. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> yeah. You went to a rave? <laughs> yeah, I went to a rave. <laughs> I did. I believe you. It was a... Uh... Dude, it was we, very interesting. We're totally live on Periscope right now. Yeah, you totally are. I'm Periscoping our podcasting right now. <sighs> we're getting way complicated with all the technical Dude, stuff. Dude, there's nothing complicated about this I'm... or Zac Efron. What's up? Oh, all right, so Zac Efron. The, que the, question, the question is this, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> tell us, AMC Mike. Tell us about the the <laughs> the A-rave that you went to the, hey, the rave. First, first of all, I would. First of all, it was not the movie theater. And second of all, before you guys start mocking me, how many raves have you guys gone to? I lived in Los Angeles. Yeah, how many raves did you go to? I like that answer. None I like the LA. fact that your answer was. <laughs> I like the fact that your answer was. I lived in Los Angeles. Yeah, like, like that. that. Like that many. Days. You lived in Los Angeles and worked at the eyeglass place. Yeah, just like the same way and that, made. And made eyeglasses right. for many, many famous people who are now dead. Oh, yeah. Listen, we've got four people watching us on Periscope right now, which means that's like we've we've actually tripled our normal audience. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Oh, no. <laughs> our audience um, has tripled. We lost one. 
<laughs> they were yeah. like, yeah, just stop. They were like, we're done. Yeah, we're done. We're, we're done with this. No, I uh, I went to... Uh, hey, what's up, Tammy? Tammy Johnson, you guys say, hey, what's up, Tammy? Hi, Tammy, Hi, Tammy. Johnson. There you go. Um, I went to a rave uh, with, with a group of friends. and <laughs> Now um, we know the story's not true. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> uh, I was actually the, the designated driver. Right. So I, I wasn't doing anything. And... Um, and I had that's when I had really long hair. Right, uh-huh. right. And my hair was braided in two so long So you were braids. raving it up. I well I was, yeah. But I had a, a gentleman who I didn't know came up to me and he, he placed his hand on my shoulder. He wasn't being creepy, you know, but was clearly He was the guy at the random rave who wasn't being creepy. Well, I mean what I meant one was <laughs> he wasn't groping me. He wasn't okay, like right on. He, okay. and, and he and he touched me on my shoulder to get my attention and he goes, I, I'm I'm not trying to be weird, but can I touch your hair and dance with your hair? And you wanted to dance with your hair? With my hair. And so, hey, just okay. to let you know, Slinky, you just started our theme song again. No, I didn't. I turned oh, it off. Hey, hey, Tammy, some people are asking what we're doing. What's up, Periscopies? Uh, we record a weekly podcast called Lights, Camera, Cleveland. You can go to iTunes uh, in the podcast section and look us up, Lights, Camera, Cleveland. We talk about Cleveland. We talk about movies. We talk about all sorts of stuff. And uh, I'm Rob, and over here is AMC Mike and the Hollywood Slinky. Let me turn it around. If I will double tap. Here we go. Oh. There you guys are. Wave to everybody Yay. on the Periscopies. So anyway, I just thought we would Periscope this piece a little bit tonight. Number five at the box office. Sinister 2, bringing in $4.7 million. This is its second week out, bringing its uh, two-week total to $18.5 million. People, people still see horror movies. They like this one. Even in the middle of summer. Yeah, it's because people who like horror movies just like them. Yeah. All the time. You don't have, it doesn't have to be a special Yeah, you don't go and hit Halloween. Time of the year, right? right. It doesn't have to be a special time of the year. Number four, No Escape. Uh, $8.1 <laughs> million. That was its opening total. Um, I don't know. Does anybody know, even which know one, what this movie yeah, is? Yeah, which one was No Escape? I don't know. I have no, I, I, I have no idea. I just know it made more money than Zac Efron. I know. All I know is Shh. we hated every movie. It did coming though. Out AMC Mike, you have to. It I made know. Eight, embrace this. Hundred percent. I will much. embrace his abs. I'm telling you though, AMC Mike. I will listen. comfort him. Right. Hey, Zac Efron. <laughs> hold on. Here we go. Let me. Let me. I'm going to turn this around here. Hey, Zac Efron. Hey, what's up? Listen, Zac. Um, this is Rob Alderman with uh, Lights Camera Cleveland. And uh, AMC Mike wants you to know that if you're hurting, if you're sad, if you're lonely because of... Or if uh, you're happy, even. What happened to you this weekend at the box office where your movie was dubbed the worst uh, the worst commercial <laughs> box office failure of all time? Where, where I mean, you actually brought in less than half what Pluto Nash brought in its right. opening weekend. So listen, I, I want you to know that if you're really bummed out, AMC Mike says she'll give you hugs. She can give you some cuddles. All right, so we can go back to the box social numbers. Um, you know, the one thing that we didn't talk about, though? The thing that we didn't talk about was War Room and how well it did. Well, it's because we're not there yet. Oh, it made the list. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize. Sorry. Sorry about that. <sighs> Number three, Mission Impossible. Rogue, dun, 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 Rogue Nation. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, brought in $8.2 million. It's... Five week total, one hundred and seventy point two million dollars. 
Um, I have now officially, finally, after <laughs> after months of saying this, I have now I can now actually say that I have now seen all of the Mission Impossible's except for this one. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, Mission Impossible was kind of on the, like, there must right. be something to it, but I've not seen it list the same as uh, the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I've, I've went ahead and there were, you know, there are a hundred Fast and Furious movies, but hey, there's only... Tammy says she's leaving. There's only... Aww. Sorry, Tammy. I know. I can tell. She didn't actually say she's leaving, but she's like, all right, you guys have fun. Good luck. So that normally means leaving. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Anyway. We tried, Tammy. That's all right. You know what? She didn't we, watch Chad Guyton's... We... <laughs> <laughs> Chad Guyton's... She didn't watch Chad Guyton's... earlier pocket. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Bye, Tammy. We still have Adam Lewis on here and then some people who aren't even local, I think. Well, there you go. Oh, awesome. We're, Number we're two at the box office this week. Here you go, Rob. War Room, bringing in $11.4 right. million. It's first week out. War Room from the Kendrick Brothers, who uh, are famous for making all of the Christian films right. that normally star uh, Kirk Cameron. Um, and uh, yeah, eleven point. This is eleven million is dollars thing. more than Zac right. Efron's movie. And this is what the whole thing is about. This is what Slinky's getting at right now. Is the it's kind of like the, the rated R Hobbit. You know, you put out a movie directed at evangelical Christians. They're going to go. They're going to go. If you put out a movie that's like, we love the Jesus, right? Like, Zac Efron, people are like, oh, he's nice, he's cool, sometimes he makes some funny movies or whatever. Right. But they marketed this thing to kids that don't go buy movies. Exactly. They don't, they don't go to the movie theater. Right. And... War Room was like, we don't have much money. I think, wasn't it made for $1.3 million? Something like that. It was like really something tiny. tiny. It was made for like... $3 million. $3 million. Okay, $3 million. They make this movie and they say, hey, love the Jesus. We love the Jesus, right? Right. And everyone who loves the Jesus goes to see the movie. Now, that's not... I'm not saying War Room was bad. Right. Hey, Adam Lewis wants to know, what about a movie where Zac Efron plays Jesus? He says... Hallelujah! <laughs> Does it co-starring Kirk Cameron? Then I'm in. Uh, right. No. You get Kirk Cameron on board. Mm. So anyway, it's just an interesting. That's a good question. But but so this is the point, right? Hollywood has not done a ton of like pro-Christian message, right? right. Most of these films that and we're in talking fact, about, they're almost come all out of Georgia. They actually right. come out of South Georgia. They're almost all from the Kendrick brothers who do right. this. I mean, you know, this is uh, courageous, fireproof. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all um, they're all in the uh, in South Georgia, right? They're in the buckle, and uh, I got to hang up this periscope. I think hey, it's. Dude, I got to hang up this periscope. Thank you guys for jumping on, but like. Our setup's just not to where... I'll try to get a stand for this thing next time or something. Everybody... <laughs> Please. <laughs> hey. Uh, Aren't Douglas, Douglas said, the movie might be sexy, but it wouldn't work. Everyone knows Jesus was a white British guy. <laughs> this is true. That's what this Douglas is true. Says. Yay. Um, no. So, Benedict Cumber Jesus. Travis Johnson's follow, watching this down in Florida right now. Wow. What's up, brother? Dude, uh, you going to be... You gonna be selling some trees and saving some lives? I think it's safe. I'm it's safe so to confused. say that the reason he's watching us on Periscope is because right now with the hurricane, the only thing working is his internet. Do they have a hurricane down there right now? I thought yeah. it went away. Oh, I don't know. 
I don't know. Tanya Bumgarner was keeping me informed on Erica's <laughs> cone of uncertainty. So I don't know. I don't even know what a cone. The last cones of uncertainty I saw Madonna was wearing, and it was in the eighties. So here's the. <laughs> The best so part of that about that the best part about that was Rob started to move on and then the I joke did. Caught I started up with to move on I started to move oh. on and then there it was <laughs> so here here's what I was getting at though those guys that make these movies Smyrna, Fireproof, right? Aren't they out of Smyrna? yeah Smyrna Georgia and these guys make a ton of movies and they know that they're going to market these things directly to evangelical Christians they don't even have to buy airtime they don't they have don't to, even have to be good what I mean they truth to be, be told right and yeah. they're much better I'll, than they have to be that is and yeah i, I want to say that is, i'm not saying they suck right yeah part of it is that what they do is they they make these movies the church is invested in the production company so they don't have to go rent cameras they don't have to do all this stuff and they make these movies and and then all they have to do is reach out through the evangelical church network right they don't even have to and so you have churches that are like renting out an entire theater. I mean, the last time one of these things got big in Cleveland, like it was on the radio, hey, our church has rented the theater to play this movie. Everyone right. come for free. Right. Like just, right? Yeah. So Zach Efron, as popular as he may be out there, when he markets a film to millennials and younger, right, right that have better things to do than go see a movie anyway, as opposed to like a... Uh, 50-year-old church mom... As a, as you know, a, as like, a yeah. right, exactly a fifty a a fifty year old church mom, forty like like let's like even think about like Kenny and me and like the people that aren't aren't even fifty. Like let's talk thirty to forty. You got kids, you want to take them to see something that you know they can see, right? So you're you're already limited. It's Disney already, right? Right. You want to do something with your friends? Most you can't friends take are, them to see The Hobbit anymore. Right, it's rated of, R now. Right, yeah, exactly. I'm boobs. Most of your friends, Everywhere. most of your friends are uh, um, <laughs> most of your friends are church people, right? Right, because you're hanging out with the people that you would normally hang out with. You know what would be really interesting would be to see uh, some sort of geographical map of where the ticket sales yeah. were. Well, on you know, they trip. all happened in Chattanooga. <laughs> and Smyrna. Dude, that's not true. Look, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Break these numbers down just a hair, okay? There were eleven hundred theaters, and they averaged ten thousand dollars exactly. a theater. Exactly. Okay. And and Efron managed seven hundred at so twice as this, many right? theaters. Twice as many theaters. Seven hundred dollars a theater versus this War Room movie that uh, was ten thousand dollars a theater. And this is the church's saying. We will fill this entire theater. Right. We're going to go. Can as you imagine? A it makes me think. Can you imagine if if a Hollywood studio actually made a Christian movie with with big name actors right. and actually found a a good a good screenwriter, a good story, and like made a quality right. film? And again, that's not us busting on War Room. No, they do it's fine. Just that they do we, fine. Right. They, they they do fine. But when we see these films. Like we talk about films and, and, you know, we've even talked about our Christian duty because the three of us are Christians, you know? Right. And we talk about the, about movies well, all the Carrie's time. Well, Catholic. Hey. Which, <laughs> I mean, it's better than not going to church at all. Wow. <laughs> but my, my point is, right, my point being this, we've, we've always agreed that the thing we can do best to live out our Christianity for us as film critics, right, is to be honest and also to say we've seen movies that a lot of Christians would be like, never go see. Right. And we've said to people like, right, just like any of these famous Christian film film critics like Michael Medved or any of these guys, 
look, you know, you got to keep your finger on the pulse of what's cultural to even be able to say yes, see it or not. And there have been plenty of films that we've told people, look, you don't want to go see (laughs) Do you remember when we had to review Borat for Dan Howell? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do remember. I remember that. And it was like, wow, what do you even say? But but like... Well, well, you say exactly what we did say, which is you you say... No one wants to go see this? You say this movie, if this movie is for you... Right. It is as good as these types of movies right, 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 get. Right. And if it's not for if you fall into the majority of people and this movie's not for you, it's horrible. One Don't of the go funniest things it. You know, one of the funniest things about when we knew we were gonna go see Borat was that I went and I, I decided I was gonna go to like a late night show. Because I remember we had talked, like, I was like, I don't want anyone to see me seeing Borat. Yeah. Right? And I went in and I'll I'll never forget there was a, a really prominent person from the university a, a very prominent leadership person there with his wife and i'm not gonna say who he was but we know each other because he was there late at night for the same reason for the same reason and he went in and we're watching the movie and i remember it just it, it starts to just get awful and the whole time i'm right. thinking now we told dan we're gonna watch this movie and i can't really like i, I i'm sitting there and finally this guy leaves Right, he finally gets up to leave. So now I feel like a failure because there's at least because you should have left before, right? Because the... there's like five or six times I was going to leave, right? Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I should have left. Ah, man, I should have left. And he sends me a text and he's like, "Don't worry, bro. I don't judge you. I know you're in there doing it for the podcast or something." Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just the back like, "Thank you." Anyway, I won't say who it is, but this is the point. If Hollywood would truly look at these numbers. And look at the people who are going to see films. And learn a lesson. Then they would make great Christian films. And Christians need to be okay with the idea that like we can't have a Christian film without a real bad guy. Like real sin is sin. Right. So it's kind of like, I think the best, for me, one of the best examples of this is uh, Hell on Wheels. Right. right. And a lot of people talk about the Christian narrative that weaves its way throughout Hell on Wheels. Yeah. You have this huge like, you know, I mean really Jesus Christ figures and then you have like you know man dealing with sin and grace figures and all this but at the center of all this you have the swede who's truly horrible right and does and does like the worst things and you can't appreciate what what cullen is going through and the grace and the redemption and things he's going through if you're not also horrified by sin right and uh, the Christian community has to be okay with that. Which brings us to like the challenge. Because stuff in the Bible, man, gets pretty dicey. Right. But that brings you to the real challenge here, which is what makes a movie a Christian movie? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you right. understand? Yeah. I mean, no, I, that, I get that. The question is not so simple. You know, like, I mean, is it like, how do we define a Christian movie? Okay, certainly something like Courageous or Fireproof is a Christian movie right. because the but whole, the whole film. Movies. The the film is a thesis on right. on belief or on faith, but like, is a Christian film a Christian film because the hero is is a churchgoer and they don't hide it? I don't Does that think make so. it a Christian? No, film? I don't think so. I mean, for me, and like, that, are, is the, the Netflix Daredevil series a Christian a Christian narrative? Right, because he's a Catholic, he's, he's Catholic. He's a devout Catholic who's trying to do good. Right. Um, but I, it, I mean, but it is an it's an important question. Yeah, I think. It kind of is like this. I'm on the Periscope, dude. Now I'm laying on the floor and people can see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pillow. Um, It's kind of like this. Um, I think that for a film to be a... 
for a film to be a Christian film, right? I think it has to weave the Christian narrative. Like I said, I would feel almost very comfortable saying that like Hell on Wheels is almost a Christian show. And the showrunner has almost said as much in a you know a few right. instances. And that's because it's it's not that they don't sometimes show that like Christianity can be misleading, hard, difficult, that Christians can't be awful, stuff like that. But because the way that they the way that they produce the narrative is genuine and it, it's not uh, making a mockery of Christianity. So for me, a Christian, a Christian film would be one in which the gospel is the answer because that's what Christianity believes. So any of these films, Fireproof, War Room, like it doesn't have to be that the hero gets it all right or even that the, that the main character is a Christian or even that everybody does the right thing. But it does have to be that the gospel is the right thing. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Not that the people do the right thing, but that Jesus Christ is the answer. I mean, that's Christianity boiled down to its main purpose, right? Is that right. we're on this earth and that we're sinners and that we have to repent and be saved by grace by Jesus Christ. And so for a film to be a Christian film, it has to present not that everyone does that, not that the bad guy does that, not even that the good guy does that, but that that's acknowledged that that, that is um, the right thing to do that the gospel is prevalent you know what i mean yeah kindness love hope you know all those things are the thing so i and i and i think hollywood's not super good at that like hollywood's super good at saying like good people are good people but it's not because of jesus well sure and then i mean you know you have sometimes you have to take a moment and go well how do you how do you insert that christian narrative right into pacific rim right you know what i mean because that that will be that will be the the game changer is when somebody is able to do that in Hollywood and not have it come to a screeching halt. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to find a real writer, right? Who really cares? I mean, you know, to, for what it's worth, I, I know this seems really weird, and we're hoping to have him on this podcast really soon. But like, you know, there's a dude who grew up in this very town, went to church in this town, and I think is a Christian. And we know that he wrote, we know he wrote Pacific Rim. He actually wrote Pacific Rim. So, you know, I mean, this might be a good conversation to have with him. You know, we don't want to get bogged down here all night, but, but, you know, living in the town we live in. hate to have a deep, interesting conversation on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, straight out of Compton. What? There's, that's not a Christian movie. $13.1 million. It's third week out, bringing its three week total to $134 million. Uh, Straight out of popcorn is really what's going on. Straight out of your wallet. I don't know. I love the straight out of memes that came out of that, though. Mm -hmm. Like, if nothing else, that movie was good for, for a rockin' good time on the interwebs. It totally was. All right, I'm going to hang up on this podcast now. I mean it. Now I'm really doing it. Down Periscope. Thanks for everybody everybody who watched us. We appreciate you guys. All right, dudes, tell them all bye. Word. To get the rest, you'll have to subscribe. So there. So there. Dude, we did pretty good. there. People got on that junk. Yeah, what'd you have? Head up to 10. Oh, there you go. So quite literally, as big as our regular. I'm <laughs> I am so old. I don't even know what Periscope is. Well, what? Periscope is brand new. Yeah, so Periscope's it's... new. 
What, new, new, new. What, is it just like a... It's an app that's... It's a social media app, but it lets you live television, basically. Yeah, okay. it turns your phone into broadcasting. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like recorded anywhere. It's like gone it'll now? It'll be 24 hours. It'll be up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's up now, but it'll be up for 24 hours. All right. So there you go. All right. The well, the thing the kids are doing. The Periscope is down. The box office numbers are over. Well, it's time to. What you got? Some music or something for us to chill to? I do. And then we'll come back and going with the Periscope theme. All right. All right. Hey, that's good. I like that. Yeah. You're listening to Lights Camera Cleveland, and we will be right back. Woo woo. Don't go away. So we sailed unto the sun Till we found the sea of green And we lived beneath the waves In our yellow submarine We all live in a yellow submarine Yellow submarine Yellow submarine And the band begins to play We all live in a yellow submarine Yellow submarine Yellow submarine We all live in a yellow submarine Yellow submarine Yellow submarine And we're back. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland. I'm Rob AMC. Mike is here. The Slinky's here. We're all here. I like being here. And we're done with the box office numbers. So what time is it now? I don't know. What time is it? <laughs> I don't... I, I mean, swear we are not washing cars again. I don't know. I, we're I not going dirty. back to I, that that's bit. That's I was wondering. No, we are not going back to that bit. He says, what time is it? So gently to me. Because you're supposed to say it. Oh, okay. It's time for the big news. Okay. I, You know, I want to make sure, but the other night I thought it was time for the big news, remember? And I was like, it's time for the big news, and then you were like, not yet. And then I felt ashamed, you know? Well, that's deep what down, we do. I felt ashamed deep down in my heart. We pod shame you. Pod shame. Well, it's time for the big No, it isn't. No, that's the no, next it's, segment. It is, it is. No, really. This is, is part of the, this is part of the show where we've scoured the interwebs, scoured the Facebook, scoured the social medias, and we've done everything that we could to read, watch, and review everything we possibly could about everything that uh, Ever. uh, is going on this week in the news of Hollywood. Hit me, what's going on in the news? Kate Blanchett to have a ball. 
I thought about I thought about doing like something with like a, about Kate Blanchett's ball, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure if that would be like a Hobbit rated R kind of thing. Hey, we wow, go, so we're we pushing the envelope tonight. We can go rated R. Kate Blanchett's going to star as Lucille Ball in a new biopic that's being produced by Lucille Ball's two kids, Lucy Arnaz and Desi Arnaz Jr. Um, Aaron Sorkin is in talks to write the script. He wrote the Steve Jobs movie that just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's going to center around Lucille Ball's 20-year marriage to Desi Arnaz. She eloped with the Cuban band leader in 1940, and they created, of course, I Love Lucy and Desi Lou Productions. Uh, I think it's going to be you go. awesome. I think yeah. Kate, Bl- Kate Blanchett's a good yeah, choice. she's great. That's yeah. a great idea. What will be interesting to me about Kate Blanchett as Lucille Ball will be to see how she handles the physical comedy. Yeah, yeah, because that Lucille yeah. Ball, no one did it better than you her. you got to go for it. No, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Kate Blanchett's talented. We've just never seen her do, right. do that level of well, comedy. Well, we don't know if that's this movie. I mean, if the movie you is can't, about you, her... You yeah, can't but, do Lucille right, Ball without I know, some. I know, at some I know, point, I know, though... I mean, anyone can do some. But at some point... What Lucy did was... Right, but ball. at some point, there's going to be, like, uh, the film is going to show, like, her recording the, part of... I the mean, candy. Vegemite. Right, right. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Things, yeah. Right, like, or the one where she's got to stomp grapes with her feet, or right. she's eating the candy on oh, the candy shoving she's, it in her... She's so, going to... Uh, we're so, going to see Kate Blanchett do something, and it will be interesting <clears throat> to see how she handles yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. What else? What else? What else? Herbie rides no more. What? Actor Dean Jones, best known for his work in such Disney films as The Love Bug... Herbie goes to Monte Carlo, and Herbie rides again. And of course, that darn cat died of <laughs> Parkinson's disease t- oh, Tuesday. That's not so funny. Though. Uh, he was also in Under the Yum Yum Tree, The Shaggy DA, The Million Dollar Duck, Snowball Express. Uh, he was even actually in the big dog movie Beethoven. Uh, he was also did a bunch of stuff on Broadway. But he was in 46 movies over the course of wow. his career. And in 1995, he was inducted into the Disney Legends Hall of Fame. That's legit. Dean, yeah. Dean Jones was 84 years old. Yeah, that's legit. That's yeah. legit. Parkinson sucks. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <sighs> Add it to the list of sucky diseases. Yeah. Check. What else we got? It demanded a sequel. Is this the Hobbit? Paramount Pictures is about to, <laughs> is going to release Jack Reacher two on October first, twenty sixteen. The studio announced today. The film stars Tom Cruise and Kobe Smulders. Uh, has been in talk to, talks to play the female lead in the sequel. Ed Zwick's going to direct it. Uh, Zwick just wrote. Um, uh, Zwick. Uh, I don't know. He, oh, he does stuff. He did yeah. something. We got a yeah. breakdown in the show prep? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, the first thing. Anything. Hollywood should. Which brings me to the fact that the first Jack Reacher film grossed $218 million worldwide. Right. Uh, how did that happen? No one knows. You know, do you remember how good the marketing was for that? I don't even remember the It was the insane. Movie. You couldn't go anywhere without the mark. Well, here's the deal. Jack Reacher is based on a book that is super popular already. The kind of books that, like, Cappy used to read. Right? <laughs> right. Where there's just, like, a tough dude doing some tough things. Yeah. For and, America. Like, that's Jack yeah. Reacher. And, um, like, we'll talk about a little bit later. Like, Jack Reacher did well because movies like The Transporter do well. It's, like, <sighs> fast cars and tough people. But this one was with Tom Cruise. Now, it kind of, like, what was that Keanu Reeves movie? Um, where they kill his dog and he... 
goes crazy. Wick. John Wick. John Wick, right? Similar to John Wick, right? Jack Reacher is like Tom Cruise's John Wick. And everybody said that Reacher was good. Right. You know, we didn't see it. I think it's still on Netflix. It might go off Netflix this month. But um, I've been meaning to see it just because the reviews were so good. And I wasn't going to see John Wick. And I did. And I was so glad. So, you know, <laughs> you don't argue with $220 million at the box office or No. Whatever. No, I guess you don't. No. Uh, I mean, Zach Efron does. Well, yeah. All right, what else? That's it. That's all the big news. It was That's actually kind of, a, kind of a yeah. slow week in news. Baby. Baby. All right. Um, well, what are we going to do when I we mean, come back? If there's, if there's any other piece of news, it would just be maybe that uh, Thursday night at 11.59 and Friday morning at 12.01, depending upon how you want to look at it, Force Friday begins where uh, mm. all the Toys R Uses and Targets and Walmarts are opening at midnight to unveil all of the brand new Star Wars The Force Awakens toys. Well, yeah, but didn't they already have stuff? Well, out? tonight tonight, yeah, at the Wal- tonight at the Walmart by my house, they had some out, someone right? had put some stuff out. Uh, yeah, somebody opened but a box early. Not because they were supposed Whoops. to. Yeah, so. But, Did you buy uh, it? I didn't. No, I didn't get anything. We're not there anymore. I, you know, there was, there were these really cool I little... I had hope for you. There were these cool little... Uh, you know, the black TIE fighter, you know? Yeah. There was one of those black TIE fighters. It was like, I don't know, maybe about three inches yeah. in size. Uh, it was like four bucks made by Matchbox. And I almost picked that up just just because, hey, look, new Force Awakened toy kind of right. thing. Right, it's out early. Yeah, it wasn't like I, supposed to I be. I wanted to just buy it and then stop by Ashley Rayburn's office or something and be like, oh, look who's got the new Star Wars toy. You know, because right. he was all like, I'm going to be there at midnight. Right, yeah. Um, I, he took off Friday. He Aww. took off work oh, to be so there. Oh, that's so cute. He's going to be at Toys R Us? Mm-hmm. I might swing by there. I'm, I'm planning to uh, nerd out at the Friday Night Magic in Chattanooga on Friday. And I think that no, ends no. at like midnight. No, but this is this is like 12.01 Friday morning. Thursday Ele- night. 11.59 Thursday night. Oh, Thursday Follow night. Me. So it'll be, you're talking tomorrow night. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so, I thought. I so that's why he took Friday off. Gotcha. Because he's going to be shopping. And he'll be tired. Cheerleading practice. Meh. Gotcha. Yeah. That whole All day. right. No, it's... Well, what happens when we come back, Slinky? Well, when we come back, we have... Actually, hold on real quick. Did you guys see the whole uh, thing with the, the Star Wars armor? That was being talked about. Where, the, where the, the girl, like, yeah. defended... Uh... Well, well, no, like, where all these people were like, her armor doesn't look feminine all right, enough. let's back up. Those of you listening, you've probably seen the images of Captain Phasma, which is, it looks like a stormtrooper with a cape, and the stormtrooper yeah. armor all looks to be, like, chrome. Yeah! All right, well, that character is actually played by a woman. And somebody on Twitter or some or Facebook or somewhere attacked Star Wars and was basically like, you know, the armor doesn't have breasts. Like, yeah, it was like it's not feminine. And Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars basically took him to task and was like, it's armor on a woman. It doesn't have to look manly, or it doesn't have to look feminine. Yeah, yeah. And, it was pretty uh, awesome. I was very excited for yeah, it. Yeah, they got a lot of good press out of that. Yep. So, end, end story time. I'm Works sorry. Works for me. I won't yeah. bring up 
no, things I read then. Nah, it's good stuff. Whatever. I was like, I was just thinking the real, let me tell you why I was quiet. I was quiet because I was trying to think of like, that's the sort of thing where the internet gets so dumb. Because like, it could have been the same thing. Like if, if she'd had feminine armor on, somebody would have complained and been like, where's the cod like, case? Why, why is it like, why is it like so feminine? Women can be warriors too. Right. You see what I mean? Well, because it's all just whatever the dumb internet wants to yell about. Well, I just thought it was nice because it, it's more realistic. You know, like, it's realistic. If a woman was to put on armor, you wouldn't have a, a well, breastplate with breasts. The armor would look like whatever was practical. Right, I mean, yeah, it may it, or may not have, you know... Yeah, I don't know about all that. That's what I'm saying. My point is, like, Disney did just fine. Right. And the reason yeah, I was quiet I, wasn't because I didn't like your story that you brought up because I think I actually think it's important. It made the national news. I, I wasn't saying anything because I had this moment where I was sitting there thinking like, man, you can't do anything. Any like you can't put her in this practical armor. You couldn't have put her in feminine looking armor. You couldn't like you right. can't do anything without one half of the trolls well, getting angry. But but I think what's important here is it wasn't one half of the trolls. Most of the internet jump to defend Disney and the the design of the like it was it, it was it wasn't a large group of people complaining yeah it the story was that Disney turned around and went oh no you don't yeah you're not going to be dumb about this interesting yeah 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 well, the internet's dumb yeah sometimes it's but sometimes the dumbest sometimes it shows good people though you know good good stuff comes out it's just like any tool and there are lots of tools on it, too. Yeah, that is true. All uh, right, well, there you have it. We're going to be right back in just a minute. I tell you not to go away, but ultimately, you're really you're going to do whatever you're going to do. That's true. We hope. No, I don't want to be bossy. I will. Don't go. Lights, camera, clear. Right? Stick around, AMC Mike says so.
And we're back. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Cleveland. AMC Mike is here. I am. Slinky's here. Fooled you. I'm still here. And I'm here. <laughs> so we're here, but there's someone else here. What? Someone very special. Really? Someone who we love. Oh. And his name is Carrot Cake. A lot of people don't uh, may not be familiar with Carrot Cake. And he's from far away. He is from very far away. So Carrot, far away. Carrot Cake is actually from Sweden. And what? so That's the, like, like hours away. That's right. And the thing about Sweden is that they get a lot of strange movies there. Or they get the movies that we get, but they get them much earlier or much later. For example, for some reason, all of the Marvel comic movies seem to open in Sweden... Like two weeks before they yeah. open in America. And then he brags about it. Yeah, so we always get to hear what he thinks of the Marvel movies before we get to see them. And then sometimes, you know, he reviews, he likes to review just sort of random things that he finds on Netflix, which I think may be what, uh, what he's reviewed tonight. Oh, what's he got for us tonight? Tonight, um, well. Let's find out. We'll have to ask him. Carrot Cake, you there? Carrot Cake, are you there? Hello. <laughs> Hi, Carrot Cake. Tonight's the movie is called I Survived a Zombie Holocaust. Holocaust? Yikes. I survived a zombie holocaust. A stupid zombie B-movie about the horrible zombie B-movie. Filled, filled with ridiculous and awkward comedy. If you want to see a stupid B-movie and not think about how good or how bad the movie is, is that the end? not a lot very <laughs> unique about this movie. From generic plot and generic stereotypes and jokes, like me, with my shirt off. Though if you just want two hours to sit and bullshit, can I say that? Now without getting us the explicit rating. With friends, it might be a decent watch. Like watching me with my shirt off. Especially with some very over-the-top acting at times. Also, who dies next is sometimes a fun drinking game. (laughs) Like me with my shirt off. Fair enough. Well, there you go. All All right. right. Okay. Thank you, Carrot Cake. That was a a good review right there. It was good. uh, I always think think Carrot Cake does well when there are more complete sentences than incomplete. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe he's just drinking when he calls in. The problem with his reviews, for me, is that the more of them that he writes, the better his English gets. And so (laughs) they get harder to be funny. You know, he just is a man unto himself. We with love his you, shirt off. Right, we with love his shirt you. off. With his shirt off. Without a doubt. Indeed. Well, 
It's time for our final segment. Well, actually, we have we have one more thing that we uh, should have probably mentioned. No, this is big. This is big. We we should have mentioned uh, during the big news. And uh, so uh, this is this is a very sad thing too. That uh, okay? What is it? Uh, well, I mean, you know, everybody knows already, but we should talk about Wes Craven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Because, you know... Well, Wes Craven had been battling, I think, a brain brain cancer for quite I, some time. Or a, a, yeah. Whatever it, it was, was, it was cancer. awful. It, it was, was awful. Cancer. It was yeah. maybe like esophageal cancer or something. But, cancer and, and uh, Parkinson's disease can all bite me. They suck. Right. So there you go. Here we go. Uh, but he was he was the king of of modern horror. Yeah. Um, no pun intended, Stephen. But you know, this is the man who brought us a Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, Scream. Uh, you know, Scream. Scream actually is my favorite horror series. I think it's my favorite too. Um, it's the most clever. Yeah. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes. Um, was he? Did he the, do whatever under people under the stairs? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking right now. Lots of nightmare stuff. Well, yeah, because there was like 12 Nightmare on Elm Street. On the Swamp Thing, he was famous because he did yeah. the, the 1982 yeah, did. Swamp Thing. So yeah. here's the thing about Wes Craven that I think... Last House on the Left. We should remember was that it wasn't just that he made scary movies. It's that he made smart, scary movies. Right. And it's actually not that easy to do. And let me say this. This isn't a slam on those of you who love scary movies. You know, AMC Mike is with us here on this podcast every week, and she loves them, right? Yep. It's just that there's only so much time in a film, and you can only do so much in the time that you have, right? So sometimes you, you, you can't be funny and clever and scary all at the same time, right? Like, but he was the master at doing just that. He was so good with his time. He was so good with the pacing. And his films were just always a little bit better in concept and in production than all of his peers. Um, I I think, really, we have... I think when history looks back at the history of horror films, we just lost the greatest. You know? Um, we lost them... Cause you know, there other people have have done things, right? I forget what's his face who does like the saw films and stuff like that now. Um, I forget what his name is, but anyway, the the point being, like, Craven did so much and was so well rounded. Like Nightmare on Elm Street's an excellent horror series, right? Right, terrifying. Gave me well, nightmare. one of the you know the Nightmare on Elm Street series is particularly noted because it was the first time. Um, it was the first horror film to actually make it where there was no safety net. And there was, you know, nowhere was safe. Right. Yeah, because yeah. if you fell asleep, you were, yeah. Right. And so, and then to also be the guy who's doing the screen films, right? Yeah. Which is so different. To be so self-aware. Yeah, I was going to say, the self-aware is really what... Like, so, like, to understand the genre well enough that you're able to dissect it as, as a new movie. Right, yeah. So just, you know, we've really lost, really lost an artist, really lost a, a great creative, and uh, he's going to be missed. Yes, he is. He's going to be missed. We will always be Dream Warriors, Wes. <laughs> I wanted to be. 
Better than being one of the people who died. Poor Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. So, that leads us now to our last segment. Indeed, yes. my friend, it does. Then it's time for the preview review. This is the segment where we have scoured the the written word of everywhere. We have watched all of the previews and trailers and commercials for the movies coming out this Friday. Uh, we've read the reviews. We've read articles about the productions. And we have made the decision for you whether or not this movie is one you should see or one you should pass. We have not seen the movie because we're professionals. We don't need to. We don't need to see the movie. And we're poor. But mostly because we're professionals. Yes, we're professionals. Because we're we're professionally professionally poor. poor. Right. Exactly. Yes. All right. Well, which one do we want to cover first? We got three. Well, then let's start with uh, the one nobody's ever heard of. First up, before we go, two strangers are stuck in Manhattan for the night, and they grow into each other's trusted confidants when an evening of unexpected adventure uh, forces them to confront their fears and take control of their lives. This one stars Chris Evans, Alice Eve, and uh, is directed by Chris Evans. So, uh, the Captain America directorial debut. Rob, your thoughts. Well, I want to create a new category. Rutro. Called Hate the Movie, Love the Trailer. This is the kind of trailer where I look at it and I say, the trailer's well-paced, the acting looks good. I mean, I like Chris Evans' acting. Right. Um, but really... It was tough to say that there was going to be enough there to make me like the film, right? Like, I get it. He's in the train station. He had a bad relationship. She's in the train station. She had a bad relationship. Her purse is stolen, so she can't just leave. And now they're going to be in New York for the night and experience things a la Ferris Bueller. Right. Right? Except more romantically grown up. And Chris Evans is going to prove that he's not just Captain America, that he's also like this handsome, softy guy. Like, there's that scene where she's like, how could I... What is it that she says about, like, um... We... Like, she, she's clearly engaged to somebody else. Or something like that. And he goes, we love who we love. Sometimes it sucks. And I was like, right, like this film. You know, <laughs> so the, the the trailer just looked so good, but I don't know that I could do two hours of that. Right. So I'm going to give it like an, I, I, I hate it, I guess, but the trailer was really freaking good. All right. So Rob Alderman hates it, but let's pretend Rob Alderman is State Representative Dan Howell, whose favorite movie is The Notebook. I love it. Okay, just making sure. Then I love it. AMC Mike. Um, for all the reasons that <laughs> Rob just said he hated it, I loved it. I this looks like a wonderful rom com, but not quite comedy. Not tons of com. Not to, not tons of com. It felt it felt like it's gonna be uh It's Sleepless in, Sleepless in yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, there's there's gonna be drama, but like, you know, there was, you know, when it's you not have be funny, it's gonna be cute. When you have 
Because, you know, we've all had a night like that or, or a day like that with someone. I, where I you, don't know. You've been to a rave. It's like I don't even know you yeah. anymore. Well, I'm going to talk about the rave. No, um, when uh, when you have a moment with someone like that where it's just like this magical moment there are, you know, or day, um, there are like these amusing things that happen and you chuckle. Oh, you know, we looked on the back of the uh painting and something wacky was written there you know and you and it 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 to me it felt fairly genuine actually you know if you've ever had one of those nights with someone right and um i don't know i mean i i love i think uh chris evans is adorable and i do too and i think he's a great actor i really do what when i say i think i i'm gonna hate the film it's not because I think he's doing anything wrong. Well, what I'm saying though is like I, you know, like all the acting looked good. The trailer was put to put together well. I, I, I'm. So you're grading. I'm it. grading it. All right, who would win in a battle royale? Who? Chris Evans abs or Zac Efron's abs? <laughs> okay, wait, well, hold on. Is it? Is it? Um. It's a cage match. No. Is it is it Chris Evans abs Captain America when he's first made, or is it um, I don't know? Or, it's both of them at their best. Or is it uh, uh, what's his name in Neighbors? He's just saying both abs at their best. I I I would be I I would stop them from fighting by putting myself in between them. <laughs> I would do that for America. There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Well, Slinky, what about you? What do you give this movie? I'm going to hate it. I, You know, for me... Well, first of all, an interesting thing about this movie is it actually was released like six months ago on video on demand. <laughs> <clears throat> so I've already seen all, it. No, I'm you kidding. You can already run it on iTunes. I right. That. So, um, and it's done exceptionally well for that kind of release. Yeah. Um, and the, And it did well enough that the studio said... Oh wow, this did well. Let's go ahead and give it a little a little real theater time and see what it does. So it's already kind of done well enough for that, which tells me that it's uh it's probably an alright film. It's just not for me. Yeah. All right. All right, so Next. I either need a, a uh, Captain America to take me to go see this movie. No, we're just going to see if uh, Dan Howe will take you. Zach Fine, Efron then. has plenty of free time now. Then That's okay, true. Zach, Zach. He is your friend. I'm your friend. I'm here for you. Next, Take me to go see someone else's abs. Next up, A Walk in the Woods. This one uh, stars Robert Redford, Nick Nolte, Emma Thompson, and Mary Steenburgen. After spending two decades in England, Bill Bryson returns to the U.S. where he decides the best way to connect with his homeland is to hike the Appalachian Trail with one of his oldest friends. Now, by oldest... Because uh, we're probably talking about like Robert Redford or Nick Nolte. By oldest, do they mean in age or in time that they've known one both, another? Both. AMC both. Mike, hate it or grade it. What do you think? Um, I I think that this cast is stellar. Um, I didn't actually look at who was in the movie, and you know when I first clicked to watch the the preview. And, um, and I actually, in my head, I went, oh, I hope Nick Nolte's in it. And then he showed up and I was like, I'm in, I'm completely <laughs> in this movie. Um, it, I mean, I think, uh, it's not going to be for everyone. I don't think that there's going to be super action, 
know, I think the most action is going to be them falling into the river, which, you know, when you're old, I guess that's pretty action-y. Right. Um, but I think it's going to be a, uh, I, I, if the only thing that has me worried is it feels like there's going to be a bitter sweetness somewhere in it. Cause Somebody's everybody's going to have a heart attack or admit yeah. that they have cancer. Or... Yeah. Like, well, I came on this trip with you because I'm dying of brain cancer. Go oh, no. You're like, right. it felt, it feels like they're setting up for that, but you know, it's still, it look it looks good and heartwarming. So I'm grading it. What about you, Slink? Well, um, you know, I'm a little bit of a sucker for these like movies where it's like, look, it's it's these old actors that you used to love when they didn't suck, and they come back and they make like a movie that's actually kind of all right, yeah. Um, and uh, and those always appeal to me, you know. I mean, like I always think of uh, when Jack Lemmon and James Garner did that. Uh, American pre- presidents. Yeah, the presidents yeah, movie. Yeah, that was good. Um, you know, and <laughs> I, I, I just I like those kinds of movies. There's part of me that wishes this was a comedy. Um, and and I say that knowing that it's supposed to be a comedy, that but it just didn't look funny. And and it that looks was... more heartwarming than funny. Right. Yeah. Right. Well. I'll tell you, um, you know, I mean, I'm my honors, my 11th grade honors English teacher was once in a play with Nick Nolte. There you go. (laughs) And every time, like every time it would, he would bring it up about once every two or three months, uh, just so that everyone, he was sure everyone would know he had this little dinner bell and he would ring it. Ding! To get your attention, and then he would be like, "I was in a movie with Nick Nolte." It wasn't a movie; it was a play. Uh, you know, I was in a play with Nick Nolte, and then he would walk over to like the little closet in the room, and he would pull out this like photo from like 1965, when like he and Nick Nolte were both like 19 in college hmm. in a play together on stage somewhere, and he would make sure everyone saw it because it was. You know, it was his uh, his claim to fame. And that, of course, makes me an expert on Nick Nolte. And so, <laughs> I'm actually gonna... This one's hard for me, because I fall right in the middle. The cast makes me want to see it. The trailer kind of makes me not. Um, so, I think I'm gonna err on the side of nostalgia. And I'm going to... Uh, just barely great this film. All right. Rob, what do you think? I give it a grade. It's going to be good. And we need to see these dudes before they die. <laughs> and they need to be in this movie together. It is It is Jack Lemmon. You know, and James Garner. It is, it's grumpy old men. It's American presidents. It is Nick Nolte. Like, I don't care about anything about the story. It's Nick Nolte and Robert Redford going on a long walk together. And yeah, at some point, something's not right. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, boo-hoo, but I grade it. There you go. All right, last up, the transporter refueled in the south of France. A former special ops mercenary, Frank Martin, enters into a game of chess with a femme fatale and her three sidekicks who are looking for revenge against the sinister Russian kingpin. Uh, I'll go first. Let me first just say that they're not actually playing chess. Regardless of what that says, it's actually an action-adventure film. Mm. Um, 
I'm going to hate this movie. First of all, you replace uh, Jason Statham with Ed Screen or Ed Scrine, whatever. I don't even know what his last name is because you know what? Nobody knows what this guy's last name is because nobody knows him other than the fact that he looks like an old Nicholas Holt. Um, you know, it's weird to me that they have recast the part of Frank Martin. Um, Jason Statham is a pretty big actor, but I don't know that he's so big that you couldn't get him back for a sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's weird that you would recast him with a bunch of unknowns. And so part of me almost makes me think that maybe they think that the transporter is kind of like James Bond and they can just swap them out and we won't notice. Uh, but we did, um, that even the action scenes though, don't look all that actiony. The trailer for this movie culminates in a car jumping over the nose of a parked plane. Ooh. Like nothing like the it even slows to like a slow motion as the car like yeah. flies jumping over the very tip of this plane. And it cuts to like the picture of the inside the cockpit of like the pilots like oh my gosh that car just jumped over the nose of our plane. But the plane is... Wait, what did they sound like? Oh my gosh, the car! <laughs> but the plane is sitting still. It's parked at the gate. It's the stupidest thing. It's like not even a challenging jump. Um, I don't know. I just... To me, like the whole thing just looks like a lot of flash and bang and not a lot of awe and I'm going to hate it. What Bravo. about you, MC Mike? Oh. Who's going? What? Yeah. Um, this felt like a video game. And I don't like but video games. But not a good one. But not a good one. Like, at one point in the trailer... It was like Atari's E.T. <laughs> no, nothing is that Somebody bad. Somebody bury this no, thing in a, in a landfill. No, like, at one point, he is driving in a roundabout, which, first of all, hate roundabouts. Um, so he's driving in a roundabout, and he has to clip each of the fire hydrants that are strategically placed... So he can clip them with the back bumper of his tire to make the the whole roundabout flood so the guy on the motorcycle will slip. That's skill, Carrie. That's silly. That's moves. Yeah. That's silly. That's like... You so know, you're like, saying you give it a great? Oh my no. Oh no. my no. Oh my no. No, no. I hate this. I hate this so much. It was just, you know, in the... Tell us how you feel. really feel, AMC. Mike. Oh my God. No, and like the whole idea, like... The the bad guys he's having to work with are like three women who all dress the same and wear blonde wigs and it was just weird and like not good James Bondy feeling and I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, like it it just felt very silly. Can I just say something funny about the director of this film? Sure. The director of this film was uh the editor of Taken Two. That's the director's yeah, you know what? claim to fame. I, I didn't. Know, I noticed that because because when that flashed in, I, it, it, that flashed right before they were like, "They've taken my father." Yeah, like right. And it's I was like, like the oh, car seriously? starts to take off from flying. the editor of Taken. Yeah, two. from the editor of Taken Two, and then like the guy goes, "We have your father. If you ever want to see him again," and I was like, "No, this mm. is awful." Yeah. What do you think, Rob? Well, I'm gonna hate it, but this is the thing. For the first time, I felt like I understood him. Uh, so I'm going I'm I'm to say something here that you're going to find unexpected. As I watched this trailer, 
It was easier to understand with the new guy in the role playing <laughs> Jason Statham. His accent was not than as it was. thick. Like, I got the whole thing finally. Like, oh, the transporter. It's a story about a wheel man. Like, I've never seen any of the films. Right. But and all the other films... This is films, like the fourth one. Right, right. So all the other films, the trailers had, like, Jason Statham beating people up. Right. Because, you know, and as one does. And this one has a dude driving a car. So I can only assume that in the other films, Jason Statham probably also spends quite a bit of time... Driving. Driving. And if you remember the first two, I'm, I'm going to show something really ridiculous. The first two movies... If you remember the posters, Jason Statham is like leaping or moving or kicking, right? And he's blurred, like with these like light blurs. Yeah, like the Flash. So I thought the transporter meant he was some sort of like he time was traveling beaming person. Mutant. So finally, I was like, "Oh, you're Where's just the transporter." The, tra- the trailer for this one, they actually have a woman go. Come they call the driver. The transporter. Right. And, and I was like, like oh, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so let me say, now I know why people like the movies. Because one thing that always does well are people going to go see car movies where people do stunts in cars. Right. Right? We know this. We know Gone in 60 Seconds. We know all the speed, not speed, uh, oh, you know, the Fast, Fast and Furious. Furious. Fast and Furious films, all that. This is Fast and Furious, but with a tough dude instead of a cop trying to figure it all out. Right. Right? So exact same trope. So finally, I was like, oh, I get this movie. And you are just like the Jason Statham now because Statham's too old. Right. Right? And it's funny that you said it's like they think... This is like James Bond because I remember looking at it and thinking to myself, huh, cheap James Bond, right? Like it (laughs) it went through my head. So like that's so prevalent that it's purposeful. Like for you to say it and for Carrie to think it and for me to think it, like it's purposeful. It's in there. It's shot like James Bond yeah, on purpose. And tons of people are going to go see this, but I'm not one of them. So hating it or grating it? Hate. Well, there mm. you go. All right. So, there you go. That's it. Somewhere right now up in heaven, Mr. Rachel is going, you know, I was in a play once with Nick Nolte. <laughs> they're, they're talking about it <laughs> on Lights, Camera, Cleveland right now. Well, listen. That makes me happy that we're being talked about in heaven. Since we're doing the podcast with our new equipment... And the editing and stuff is sketchy at best. We're going to say our disclaimer now, which is that the thoughts and opinions expressed on Lights, Camera, Cleveland are those of Rob, AMC Mike, the Hollywood Slinky, and no one else. Mr. Rachel. Music, right, and Mr. Rachel, who was in a play with Nick Nolte once, a long time ago. Uh, The music on this podcast, um, we didn't use enough to worry about. I think at one point we had the Beatles on there. Yeah, so, but know. everyone knows it's the Beatles and not ours. Yeah, so we don't need to worry. We didn't we didn't steal the music, and we don't really make any money off this podcast, so we're not worried about that either. So until next time, I'm Rob, and I love movies. I'm AMC Mike, and I love movies. I'm Hollywood Slinky, and I love movies. Let's, Let's all love, love movies, movies together. together.